0: And tonight, uh, as you know, today is such an important day. I think it's not only an important day for our lives, but our spiritual practice. And probably most of you know, what is today? Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day to honor his contribution to our society and to our lives. And I'm so grateful that there's a day set aside for that, that honoring. I think it's, it's important for our hearts too. And as I was slowing down with uh, reflecting on what I'd like to share this evening around this important day for us, uh, what was moving inside my heart, which is really interesting, it was like I started to slow down with, oh yeah, I'm gonna be offering something on uh, Martin Luther King Day. And what I felt emerge was just this past year, right? Wow, it's it's been a year, hasn't it? So I wanna point out for me, I think what would also get stirred around this in connection, thanks for that Marilyn, is uh, that he gave us this inspiring vision, an inspiring vision for our society in our lives and just put incredible effort into taking steps towards making that vision a reality. And it's a vision of racial equality embodied through beloved community, a community that can honor difference or honor and recognize different ways of being in the world. And when I slow down with that vision that he gives us I think uh, what I realize is it's a vision that requires radical change in our society. We really get honest with ourselves also of what he was talking about. Like in the way our economic system works, this is something that he spoke more and more about later on in his life. It's not just about race. It's also about socioeconomic dynamics. It also requires a radical change in our hearts and minds, like in the way that we see and honor each other. And for me, Martin Luther's King vision fits so well with the vision of the spiritual path that we come together to explore in this community, like on these Monday evenings. A vision of freedom that's intertwined with compassion for each other as well as for ourselves. And tonight, uh, what I want to explore with you is just one of those steps that I think is important for this vision. That I feel like we need to take, especially in terms of this inward turn of this radical change that needs to happen in our hearts and minds. And this one step that I want us to invite uh, us to explore this evening is cultivating a heart and mind that can deeply be moved, a heart that can deeply feel and be inspired, and at the same time without our hearts being overwhelmed. To deeply feel, to deeply be moved, inspired, but without being overwhelmed. And this is important for me. I'll just be honest. Like when I'm not overwhelmed, I can respond and act in the world. When I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> I most often am coming from a place of reactivity. And what I've noticed, I just make things worse, usually for myself and others. And this is what the buddha is directly pointing to time and again when he speaks about freedom about awakening he gives this definition of it that it's a heart free of greed hatred and delusion or you could say it's a heart free of reactivity and a mind and heart that doesn't get lost in reactivity of doing unskillful things and even like one of these buddhist teachings that can sound so obscure and kind of mystical like this teaching on not self if you if you look at these kind of these early discourses of uh, that you find in Buddhism it's really in the service of cultivating a heart that doesn't get lost in reactivity and this fits with what I want to share tonight like the ability to deeply feel and deeply be moved this isn't about being a zombie and to be inspired but not being overwhelmed not getting lost in reactivity And we're going to be exploring being deeply moved and deeply feeling and being inspired without being overwhelmed by Martin Luther King. And eventually I'm going to share with you some audio clips from the last sermon that he gave, but to do it a little bit differently, to see if we can kind of open with our practice to do this sense of deeply feeling, deeply being moved and not being overwhelmed. And I'll give a little bit more details of of what this could maybe feel like or what this would be like. And and I, I just, before I get into this, I want to say, I want to reemphasize how important I think this is, especially if you're interested in skillfully responding to the challenges and difficulties in our society in our world, you know, difficulties and challenges around systemic racism or climate change or the widening wealth gap and how that gap adversely impacts those on the lower end of it because what I find is those things are overwhelming. They feel (laughs) overwhelming. I know I find them overwhelming at times. Maybe you do too. And I know that if I wanna skillfully respond in this world, I need to train this heart and mind to have the capacity to deeply feel rather than being overwhelmed. This is to me why this practice is so important. Let's uh, let's give this a try a little bit. And I need to begin with giving you a working definition of overwhelm so we're clear about this. And the definition for the intents and purposes of this exercise, and tonight, I'm going to define it as the loss of the ability to observe. So, again, overwhelm is the loss of the ability to observe. Maybe I'll put that in the chat if I can... So overwhelm equals the loss of the ability to observe. And what I want to point out about my definition of overwhelm: it doesn't mean that I'm. Uh, uh, I might feel emotion really deeply, and I might be deeply emotionally moved, but I'm not overwhelmed by it. Because sometimes, over not being overwhelmed means I don't feel very much. And I want to distinguish those right I'm, I'm putting the sense of overwhelm more in the sense of I can't observe it any longer I've lost that ability so these are different and this is what we want to start to distinguish in our uh, in our um, lives and in our meditation practice oh I'm feeling a lot and I'm observing it oh here I am I might have times where I'm not feeling very much but I'm losing the ability to really observe, to be present with it. So let's begin with this, uh, what I mean by to feel something, to deeply feel something. And we're gonna begin with something simple like the sound of a bell, which I'm gonna play for you, and we're gonna give this a try. And what I'm gonna invite you to do is, and this is just for me, I noticed that the skill, how I've refined my skill of observing or being present is feeling through the body, being aware of the feeling of the body and how experience impacts the body. So when I play the sound of the bell, I invite you to hear the sound of the bell, but to get a sense of what does it feel like when you're hearing the sound of the bell it's like how does the sound of the bell impact the feeling of the body you might notice that when you hear a sound it reverberates through our body in some way doesn't it it's not just a sound but it it's impacting our body and really any experience that's happening whether it be a sight or a sound or a smell is going to impact the body in some way and this is just for me and i want to say people are situated differently around this but For me, when I start to lose a body sense that I can't contact it, that to me is the indication of a beginning of uh, the loss of the ability to to observe. And feeling the body keeps me grounded. It starts to create this container to be with experience. So remember, when I play the sound, invite you not only to hear it through your ears, but to notice how it feels to hear the bell. Okay, so let's give it a try. So I just invite you to, you know, you don't have to close your eyes or anything, but just allow yourself to begin to get a sense of the body right now. And I'm gonna cue up the sound of the bell, just as you start to settle into the feeling of the body right now as I cue up this sound. First of all, could you hear the sound of the bell? I just want to make sure my technology is working. (laughs) Phew. Could you feel it at all? Was there a felt sense that came with the sound? Nice. That's all we're talking about. I want to also point out the simplicity of this. It's just feeling in that sense. And now we're going to take the next step with this. So it's the same thing as I'm inviting you to hear Martin Luther King's voice, and to feel it also through your body. So to take in the content, the kind of the teaching he's giving us in these excerpts from this, the sermon, but also like let's, let's practice deeply feeling into this, especially somebody like Martin Luther King, to be moved by it, but to keep that sense of presence, of observing, to get a feeling of what it's like maybe to be deeply moved, who knows, and to observe. Oh, this is what it feels like this is presence that we're looking for as i said i'm going to share with you just a couple excerpts from the last sermon that martin luther king uh, jr gave and uh they're kind of spliced closely together here and Many people think it was one of the most powerful sermons that he gave. It was uh, given on April 3rd, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. Many of you know dates. You might know that on April 4th, 1968 is the day that Martin Luther King was assassinated. So he gave this in the evening and then the next day he uh, he was murdered. And when you hear, especially the last segment of this excerpt I'm going to share with you, there's something prophetic about what he's sharing, about his own view of his life, which in and of itself I find quite powerful. And he had come to Memphis, Tennessee, and he'd been coming to Memphis, Tennessee, in the previous months as well, to support uh, sanitation workers who had gone on strike in city sanitation workers who had gone on strike in memphis Tennessee. siege so you're going to hear him refer to sanitation workers and they went on strike because their working conditions were so incredibly poor actually so in, in february in 1968 two sanitation workers were killed in a garbage compression machine that was uh, faulty and their wages were meager They're having a hard time getting by. And this issue was also intersected with the issue of systemic racism. Most of those sanitation workers were African American men. They were invisibilized, especially in Memphis, Tennessee, in 1968. So, as I take some time to queue up these, uh, this, uh, Excerpts from the sermon from Martin Luther King, what I invite you to do, just as I'm queuing it up right now, is just, just you know, again, I have to have your eyes closed, but just taking some time to settle in, begin to feel the body as I take a little time to get this ready for us. Be concerned about your brother. You may not be on
1: track, But either we go up together, or we go down together. Let us develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. One day a man came to Jesus, and he wanted to raise some questions about some vital matters of life. At points he wanted to trick Jesus and show him that he knew a little more than Jesus knew and throw him off base. Now that question could have easily ended up in a philosophical and theological debate. But Jesus immediately pulled that question from midair. And placed it on a dangerous curve between Jerusalem and Jericho. He talked about a certain man who fell among thieves. You remember that a Levite and a priest passed by on the other side. They didn't stop to help him. Finally, a man of another race came by. He got down from his beast, decided not to be compassionate by proxy. But he got down with him, administered first aid, and helped the man in need. Jesus ended up saying this was the good man, this was the great man. Because he had the capacity to project the eye into the thou and to be concerned about his brother. Now you know we use our imagination a great deal to try to determine why the priest and the Levite didn't stop. The times, we say they were busy going to a church meeting, an ecclesiastical gathering, and they had to get on down to Jerusalem so they wouldn't be late for their meeting. At other times, we would speculate that there was a religious law that one who was engaged in religious ceremonials was not to touch a human body 24 hours before the ceremony. And every now and then we began to wonder whether maybe they were not going down to Jerusalem, down to Jericho rather, to organize a Jericho Road Improvement Association. That's a possibility. Maybe they felt that it was better to deal with the problem from the causal root rather than to get bogged down with an individual effect. But I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 miles, or rather 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, Fifteen or twenty minutes later, you're about 2,200 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the Bloody Path. You know it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around it was possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there love them there for quick and easy seizure and so the first question that the priest asked the first question that the Levite asked was if I stop to help this man what will happen to me but then the good Samaritan came by And he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week as a pastor? The question is not If I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Go ahead, go ahead. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything, I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.
0: And I invite you to continue to take some time just to be with any lingering feeling from that. And as you continue to slow down with this, I also invite you to reflect, was there that sense of deep feeling with presence? And when we have both, it comes into the heart in a different way. And if you feel moved, you might not do, might not, but to share just maybe a word or two of what that was like to really take in the words of Martin Luther King in this way, like, how was that? What did it evoked? What did you feel in your body emotionally to fully take them in? Yeah, thanks for that, tears, yeah. yeah, that there can be emotion and we can still be here, deeply moved, melted, yeah, quivering of the heart, so sad and so wrong, deep grief, yeah. expansive excitement yeah i also appreciate the the differences here as well yeah so what we'll do now is i'm going to invite you to just take a two or three minutes and we're going to transition into a silent meditation kind of utilizing This, but now going into silence. But let's come back in at 35 minutes past the hour. So just taking some time to move the body, um, get a stretch, drink a water, and then we'll come back for our meditation together. I'm gonna be inviting you for this meditation really to explore the same qualities of the willingness to deeply feel, to be with, without being overwhelmed, with maintaining this ability to be present. And for some of you, it's gonna be on the complete opposite spectrum of being deeply moved by Martin Luther King. It might be this whole subtle realm of feeling and sensation and the feeling of the body compared to what we just experienced. And we're looking for the whole spectrum, the whole spectrum to be able to be with what's in the silence and what's in the sound when it's so deeply moving in that way. Just an invitation in terms of this. And in light of that, this what I invite, uh, invite you to do is just to Now allow the attention to come inward, if it hasn't already. And feel the body. However it feels right now, there still might be a little bit of resonance with really taking in Martin Luther King into your body, into your heart, there still might be something resonating there that you feel. And now I invite you to allow for relaxation, allowing the body to be filled with ease to relax. allowing the shoulders to drop, the muscles in the face to relax and the jaw to loosen, the rest of the body to settle downward, feeling the support of the earth And from here, if you're someone who utilizes the breath, it's this openness to deeply feel the aliveness of breathing. To deeply feel when sensations pull the mind in that direction. And when the mind gets lost in thought to pause, to feel into if there's any emotion there or quality that comes with the thinking. And exploring this art of deeply feeling with presence as we now sit together in silence. And when your mind gets lost in thought, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily overwhelmed. There's still probably the ability to observe, to be present and to strengthen that ability. It's just simply coming back without judgment to refine the skill of being present by coming back with gentleness and kindness. At this point, we'll be transitioning to a guided meditation, a guided metta meditation, metta being the Pali word for goodwill or friendliness. So as I explain this transition, if you need to move your body a little bit, feel free to do so. Just to frame this practice in what we've been exploring this evening, just as we're learning the ability to deeply feel whatever experience arises, there's also the practice of cultivating certain ways of deeply feeling. And this is one of them to to cultivate this ability to deeply feel into the goodness of another being. say so this is a definition of loving kindness to, to feel the goodness in others, to see the goodness in others and to wish them well. And so we'll explore this, this cultivating this particular way of deeply feeling. And the way I invite you to begin as you bring your attention inward, if it's come outward, is to begin once again by simply feeling the body bringing in as you feel the body, just the heart center, making sure you're feeling the kind of the heart area of your experience as well. And now I invite you to imagine to imagine that there are beings that really, have showed you kindness in your life that are surrounding you. To imagine that they're smiling at you. So there could be, this could be a teacher or a friend that had a moment of showing you kindness. It could even be archetypal figures like somebody like Martin Luther King, or Deepa Ma, or St. Teresa, or whoever it is. You can be a pet cat or a pet dog for that reason. Any being that's shown you kindness and to see them surrounding you and to imagine that right now they're sending you vibrations of loving kindness. And as they send you this feeling of kindness that you begin to feel them in your body as they pervade your body and feeling the vibration of kindness fill you. This kindness that's being emanated by these specific beings that are surrounding you, that are keeping you in your heart, that are touching your goodness, that are wishing you well. Imagining this and feeling this in your heart. And feel free to be imaginative. Maybe you imagine white light coming towards you and you feel it moving into your body and vibrating the cells of your body with this feeling of kindness coming towards you. Simply savoring these beings showering you with kindness. allowing the experience to put a smile on your face if that fits. I now invite you to take the next step. And with this feeling that you're receiving from these other beings who are showering you with kindness, I now invite you to shower another with kindness. Maybe someone you're close to, someone who it's easy. It could be a friend or a partner. It could be a pet cat or a pet dog. It could be a child and enjoying and savoring the showering of another being with kindness by touching their goodness, deeply feeling their goodness and allow it to move your heart. Then shower them with this feeling of kindness. And if you want, you can share a phrase or two silently towards them. Maybe something like, may you be happy or may you be healthy. The phrases are something that allow you to connect with this feeling of kindness to to help you deeply feel it. And now you might wanna populate your imagination with other beings that you can touch their goodness and shower them with kindness. See who shows up in your heart. Right now we're looking more on the easier spectrum of beings. seeing a smile on their faces, showering them with kindness. And if, it, if you need to, you can get a sense of all those beings showering kindness upon you that we were doing previously to help you if you need help. And as you continue to populate your heart or your imagination with all these beings, I invite you to intersperse maybe a person or two that you find difficult. Would you be willing to touch their goodness and to wish them well and to shower them with kindness just in the midst of these other beings Emanating this feeling, emanating this vibration of kindness towards all these beings. And maybe expanding to even more beings now.